Aloha. Hello and welcome. We are back from the ballerlifestyle.com. It's the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Beckner. Episode 395 of the show. We're talking about a classic movie today. Scarface, 1983. Immigrant refugee makes good, lives the American dream. It's a beautiful story with a happy ending. Uh, I, if you can't tell, I have a head cold. So bear with me. I sound. And people are like, oh, Brian, you sound just as nasal as always. Well, no, I don't. I sound worse. And But I thought head colds were canceled. I thought just a regular ass cold you couldn't get anymore, but apparently you can. And I have one. And it's like, I feel fine, but I'm just still having to blow my nose 300 times a day. So sorry to tell you guys that. Um, shout out to any new listeners that we may have hearing us for the first time via our promotion on the Overcast app. We appreciate any new ears that we can bring into our world. Uh, hope you like the show. Um, additionally, if you are not already, I, as I do every week, recommend that you subscribe to our bonus content. That's where you get everything we do. You get the full show un- uninterrupted by commercials. You get it the night before everyone else. It's just more. You just get it all. You know, if, you, if you're not in a position to subscribe, that's okay, too, because you're getting a lot. You're getting a lot, but... If you're subscribing to the full show, all the bonus content, you're getting like twice as much. So uh, there's a link that you can click in the show notes of whatever app you're listening to the show on. You can also go to theballerlifestyle.com, click the link at the top of the page. You can go to my Twitter, at Brian Beckner. Click click the link there on my pinned tweet, and you can subscribe via that. Uh, If you have thoughts on the movie we discussed today, please reach out. Mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com is the email address. Additionally, you can send us or call and leave a voicemail, 949-464-TBLS-8257. I am interested to hear people's thoughts on the movie we discussed today. Uh, I'm joined now, as always, by Ed Daly. Ed, what's up? Uh, not a whole lot. I, uh, I'm uh, excited. This, this is, I'm excited to, for us to bring on the guest. I think he... Uh, of course. He's, Same. he's the main main attraction. If you if you um, are you know if you're a regular listener, you'll you'll know our our friend Caleb. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's up, Caleb? Hey, Caleb. He, I believe you last joined us for uh, ID four. Yeah, that that was that maybe was the worst. That one. It's that was, maybe the worst movie we've done on this show because yeah. it was the longest. No, we did Howard, we did Howard the Duck. Nothing. That's good. true. Well, you know, I have the, I have the, uh, I have the space Ernest of time. Stupid as well. I don't know that it gets any worse than that. Well, I, you know, yeah. Ern- I, it, that's weird because it was around. Uh, that's a Halloween movie mm-hmm. about a year ago. Yeah, so we did that a year ago, and look, that was horrible. <laughs> but it was like low rent horrible. Like yeah. yeah, ID four yeah. was big budge, and it was just dreadful. So I when I was listening yeah. to that episode. Uh, after when when it was released, I I had in, had intended to go into that episode and make more of a stalwart defense of the movie. Yeah, 
I failed completely just because I got up caught up in honking off about how corny some of it was, but I don't think that's the worst one we've done. I think Ernest is so. So wait, is it this is appearance six for me now? Is what it? have we done? Wow, we did. Well, we commando did cocktail with you. Cocktail. We did cocktail with you too. Commando cocktail. Fast, <laughs> Fast and Furious Five. Oh, you yeah, yeah. Fast Five. You really educated us. You went down the. You watched every Fast and the Furious That's just true. so you could have. That was the, the most research. Oh, dude, can I tell you guys? Can I confess? <laughs> That's the most research guys? any guest has ever done. Yes. So, like, I went into that, like, you know, oh, I hadn't really seen any of those movies since I was a kid or whatever, right? It's like, uh, you know, fuck those stupid movies. And I went and I, <laughs> I watched that for the research purposes, and I ended up loving all of it. I love that franchise now. I'm such a huge fan. It's so stupid. The, well, the dumbest movies ever made, and I'm here for it. They're pretty great, but without you, we would not have known and this is this is a big this is a big deal for Fast and Furious people that the movies do not exist in chronological order. No, they do not. They jump around, which is confusing, very confusing. That's as close to high art as most Fast and Furious fans are ever really going to get, I yeah. think. Like non-linear storytelling. Yeah. I think I saw yeah, it's like the pulp fiction with cars. Um, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I think I saw a story this weekend that Vin Diesel walked Paul Walker's daughter down the aisle. Oh, like, he maybe definitely did. This weekend. He did. That choked me. I'm not going to lie. That choked me up. Yeah. Family. You know, and, at the, when he got family. to the end, he was like, family. <laughs> yeah. The whole wedding was just a giant cookout. Beautiful. Yes. It was, you know, there was, <laughs> you know, many a Corona was poured. Yeah. That's how so sure. Rodriguez. Yeah. Was not taking shit from anybody at that wedding. It did. And it was in some, it wasn't in Brazil where they're known to go, where they went in Fast Five, but it wasn't, it was like in the DR or like some, like the Bahamas or something. It was somewhere. It seems like that, that wedding could have taken place like between shoots. You know what I mean? Oh, Who knows sure. what they're up to? Well, they might incorporate it in to the story. Uh, bef- before we get started here, and Caleb, my apologies that you don't have one of your own and i don't know if ed does either but last week i was i was remiss in doing our um salted nut roll flavor tastings oh, i didn't have yeah. one handy and i i have one here with me now and i'm i'm a little worried because this I'm is really bit, important journalism that we're that you guys are doing here i'm excited <laughs> groundbreaking to stuff. Our, is, now I, Caleb, I forgot to get one yeah, you're in. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take one for the whole team here, Caleb. You're in the Pacific Northwest. I assume, like me on the West Coast, you were not. You're not familiar with the Pearson Salted Nut Roll, correct? No, that's not a treat that uh, that we had. Not even considering the supply chain issues. God. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, these days definitely not. Well, you this can't one, even get salted nuts anymore. What's going on I in know. Biden's America? It's crazy. It's crazy. Watch who you vote for. Uh, so I've. I, Last last one I tasted on the show was the was the spicy salted nut roll, which is the it, it's the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. What, uh, what kind of spice was that? Is that like a like a what, tell me tell me what sort of spice we're working with? On well, kind of like a tahini, like a chi, like a chile, like a um, mm-hmm. you know, like it. kind of a limey like spicy peanuts, right? Yeah, like it, yeah. I'm yeah, it was like rolled in the. It was like rolled in those spicy peanuts you get at the gas station. That's exactly right. A little this hint one, of citrus, perhaps. Exactly. This mm. one here, I'm a little concerned about because this is apple pie flavor. Oh, Have you tasted this one yet, Ed? No, the only ones I've I've done. Obviously, I've done the original, and then I've done 
pumpkin, and yeah. last week was churro. Yeah, you were into the churro. Um, okay, here's I. I wasn't digging it. No, so I'm. I'm gonna take a bite of this. I forgot to do it for my Insta story, but here we go. Uh uh uh. Nope. Oh, oh my god. No. Disgusting. Talk amongst yourselves. No. Oh my god. <laughs> See, it's, it's like just apple pie, and that's what sound good to me. I'm, I'm assuming I'm, I'm that this started. That this is an East Coast thing. This is an East Coast treat that no, Ryan no, is, no, no. Is, so oh, last Jesus. last Halloween, um, oh, we guys. were we were talking about the best Halloween candy, and okay. then uh, yep. a Minnesota listener, our friend Lee, Lee was like, Lee. "You guys are you guys are forgetting the best one of all," and Forget he sent it. us this each is a Midwestern bags. thing. This yeah. is Pe- and it's Pearson? a Midwest thing. Pearson's salted nut rolls. So they're available on Amazon. I've spent but they're not quite available a bit of time in, in the Midwest. Here. So let me see if I recognize this. Yeah, look at it. You might recognize the packaging. I'll just I'll just proffer my review and sorry for my lack of professionalism, but I didn't have a, a receptacle <laughs> here, at, here at my desk so that I could regurge that bite of the Apple pie flavored salted nut roll. Do not recommend zero stars. Quite possibly uh, amongst the worst things I've ever put in my mouth. Uh, What's crazy about this is it. Maybe I just have Dune brain right now because it just came out, but uh, I'm looking at the packaging and that nut roll looks like one of the sandworms from Dune. And I'm not about that at all. (laughs) It does. I kind of see that. My, 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 uh, best description I give to people is it's like a much better version of payday. It's very peanutty. Yeah. Yep. But it's good. It's good. It's really good. It's that vanilla nougat. Yeah. This is definitely something that I can see to any of your, I don't know what your listener breakdown is. If you have many Midwestern listeners, but we do, this seems like something that you would get at a come and go when you're drunk and uh, I'm there for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, we love the Pearson salted nut roll, but it's the <laughs> the flavored it's, ones. It's the edgy flavors that so are concerning. So far, only the spicy one has gotten a thumbs yes. up. Yes, yeah. yeah. You got um, You really got to admire them for trying. It's like Brian Wilson doing Strange Beach Boys albums in like the late sixties and seventies. Yep. A lot of them flopped. That's right. But you smile. know, he was trying. Talk about smile. Absolutely. Oh yeah. There's actually a. There's actually it's exciting news. There's a Brian Wilson documentary coming out next month that i'm excited yeah to i've been hearing about that i mean yeah. uh, i don't know if you guys know this i'm a huge brian wilson fan i actually um when he released that lucky old son album yep. was this back in what was that 2009 or 10 or something yep i i drove from you know i'm in the seattle area for those who don't know and drove down to the hollywood bowl with my girlfriend at the time and we saw all three nights of his show at the hollywood bowl <laughs> oh that's that. amazing yeah it's a good time i you I know actually he- have an arrest warrant out in Ventura County because of that trip still to this day, as I understand. Cause you got a ticket that you didn't pay. Yeah. I have told that story. Fuck. No, Sorry. I just guessed. <laughs> no, I just guessed. Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah. It was, uh, I was actually told to park. I was on the beach. We were, we were camping and the, the, or ranger or whatever you call him down there. Yeah. It was like, Oh, there's a, there was some sort of brush fire, move your car. And we left it there overnight and I got a ticket. So I called to like contest it or whatever. And they denied it. And then I was like, well, you know, I live in Washington. I'm not going to make a court appearance. So what's going to happen to me? She's like, well, we'll, uh, we'll issue a bench warrant in Ventura County. And I'm like, all right, well, fuck you. I'm never coming back. To, yeah, I'll gonna, drive around next time. Drive around Ventura mm-hmm. County next time you yeah. come to Southern California. Be so careful. I'm, 
I'm actually an outlaw now, which is pretty badass. It's pretty which badass. It's pretty badass. Very. I'm not. I can't. I can't claim that myself. Uh, okay, let's get into this. We're talking Scarface. 1983. Well, hold on. Let's start with the trailer. There's a special trailer too. Let's play that. I've never seen the trailer. I'm really excited for That's this. Great. Listen. Who I went and how I fuck is none of your business, okay? Now you're talking to me, baby. That I like. Fuck it, fuck. you. Fuck I mean, guys, it goes on for another minute and a half, but I gotta get the total fucks out of this. Fuck it, Hold fucking, on. I skipped fuck ahead. Fuck it. Fucking, fuck, 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 Hundred and hundred and ninety-seven fucks in the that's in the th- three-hour movie Scarface. That's got to be one of the top ones, right? I thought so. Hang on, one hundred and ninety-seven. I thought that the one eighty-two in Blink one eighty-two was that there were one hundred and eighty-two fucks in Scarface. May, well, maybe this is because this director's cut. Yeah, this came out with the DVD relate release. Okay, so I like to imagine that Blink one eighty-two were just wrong. Oh well, yeah, because it's, it's like just one of those, th- you know, it's one of those things it's that funny that if they're was, off by seven. Well, there was yeah. no, there was no internet back then, so or you know, mm-hmm. this is this is the early days of the internet, so it's they probably couldn't get confirmation. It was just this is this is like uh, the Richard Gere gerbil story or the or Rod Stewart getting a stomach pumped. This is this is urban <laughs> myth. Sure. Of the time, right. 182. They didn't have uh, they didn't have paunchy guys like me on the internet to be like, actually it's 197. <laughs> you <laughs> um, myself. Yes, Ed. No, that's no oh. nothing. I got nothing. Uh, okay, so this movie this movie came out in 1983. It's of course directed by Brian De Palma. It was written by. Oliver Stone, we may have to reassess his legacy after this script. Um, it, <laughs> Be careful. I saw that a lot of your guys' fans on Twitter were uh, huge Scarface stands. Well, so hold on, because you okay. might be talking to one right now. The, okay. um, the, this is a remake, as many, not many know. They, were, uh, they didn't want to make another italian mob movie so they made a cuban mob movie starring exclusively italian actors doing (laughs) terrible cuban accents which i thought was amazing this came out in 1983 this was a big deal they almost rated it x right it almost was couldn't be fought with the censors yeah right it almost couldn't be shown in theaters because of because of a um execution scene a, a drug deal gone bad which i'll need explained to me when we when we get to that just let's make a note of that because I'm, I'm not exactly sure what happened because they were there to buy drugs and one party had money and the other party had drugs and yet yeah 
they've started shooting each other for some reason. Hold on. Just hold, hold that thought. Explain it to me later. Um, so this movie was, was controversial at the time. Any, any guesses on what the box office and or budget was guys? Caleb, you already know, I'm sure. Ed? No, actually this time I don't. Yeah. What I will say is that I, I recall reading that it did fairly well, um, but not yep. great. Yep. Ed, your thoughts. See, your- I, yeah. I have no idea back then. Like the, the numbers it's tough for to everything is just tough. Well, to know, this, but is, this is pretty bad inflation. Yeah. I thought it did poorly. I, 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 I'll say it made 25 million or something. It's it. So the budget was somewhere. And again, these are estimates somewhere between 23 and 37 million. And the, in the box office, I assume this is domestic from back in the day, 1983. A a very respectable, if not hearty, sixty six million dollar gross. Oh, wow. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, especially because you know this couldn't have been played. You know, back then they wouldn't play movies like this before ten o'clock. They wouldn't play right. it on that many screens. You couldn't have it in a theater that was also showing Song of the South because then the kids couldn't come from one theater. You know, they don't want kids coming from one theater to the other. So a, a respectable $66 million in 1983. Does anybody need the plot explained? Is there a plot? It's oh, there's definitely a plot. Okay. Why don't you explain <laughs> it for us, Caleb? How much time you got? Cause this movie is like Two seven hours. fucking hours. Yeah. It's long. Uh, I don't know. Do we need, do we need to go over the plot? I don't no, know. He's, he's a Cuban refugee, right? Tony Montana. He comes, yeah. he's, Comes as part of the uh, Mariel Boatlift in 1980. He's along with many others. He emigrates. He's in a refugee camp, and then um, he's he gets a contract kill. You know, they they allude to his hard scrabble time in Cuba. He's got a he's got a tattoo on his hand that shows some sort of gang affiliation. We understand he's done time. He was in the Cuban army for a while, whatever. You know, he seems like not the best dude. The title I, I, cards right right away, it tell it. it's kind of like sets the tone like this is like Dunkirk, but instead of bringing over help for the yeah. British soldiers, yeah. uh, Cuba was bringing over all their criminals to South yeah. Florida is how they portrayed it. Right. Um, so, yeah. So he immediately and but he's, you know. This is this is a uh, Horatio Alger story. Am I using that term correctly? I mean, this is a guy that fucking wants to make a life for himself, and you know what? He fucking does that. He comes. <laughs> he comes to a new country. He speaks perfect English for reasons that are unclear. He claims he watched James Cagney movies a lot growing up, as one does. As one does. Him. <laughs> on the Cuban island. But this guy comes over, he's washing dishes and he's like, I didn't come over here to break my fucking back. I came over here to do fucking murders and get rich. And guess what? That's exactly what he fucking does. And fall in love with Goodyear. The Goodyear blimp. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Pan uh, Am. Sorry. I'm going to do my, uh, Pan. yeah, yeah <laughs> Pan Am. actually. Mm. <laughs> yes. That was it. Just it was, it was oh, yeah. You'll notice that Pan Am actually. I wonder. I tried to find this information out, but I couldn't. Yeah. Pan Am was actually 
featured in this movie quite a bit. Uh, if you'll notice after he, yes. we're jumping ahead, but yes, after he no, fails to do the assassination, there's the helicopters there. Pan Am actually is in this movie quite a bit. It, it was it was stranger to me than um, FedEx uh, prominently allowing their brand to be featured in a movie where one of their fucking planes crashes into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It's crazy. Like, how do you associate yourself with that? Uh, but yes, Pan Am, and a, a prominent airline of the time, a now defunct airline is... is uh, well, this uh, movie sunk them. That's yeah, what happened. I guess so. That People didn't want to get on one of those Pan Am jets anymore. Um, yeah, he comes over here. Look, I know leading up to this, to, to this review, we talked about it on this show quite a few times, that... Growing up, you think this movie's really cool. You're, you, you know, he's a badass fucking cocaine bro. He's got, there's a lot of Uzis. Uzis, fuck Uzis were popular in the 80s. You never see an Uzi anymore. Mm-hmm. It was all about Uzis back then. There's Uzis. And then you get a little bit older and you're like, fuck, these guys are doing bad accents. This movie's bullshit. And look, that's what I was saying leading up to this movie. But I watched this movie last night. Well, I watched it over the course. It's pretty long. I watched it over the course of the last two nights. And I'm here to say <laughs> I, I was dead fucking wrong. Nights to watch it. No. It's, I was, it's I was the, dead fucking wrong. This movie is amazing. This movie is so fucking good. I wish I could watch it again right this fucking minute. And I might. I might just abandon this show and fucking turn it on again. Thankfully, my girlfriend has a Showtime subscription. I'm going to throw it on and I'm going to fucking watch another round of Scarface because this movie is fucking beautiful. I loved it. This movie is responsible for like 40% of the mall kiosk business between yes. the years 1990 <laughs> and 05. Are you doing a bit right now or am I going to have to wait and see? Well, everybody, it's the kind of movie that's- I think the answer is a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. It's the kind of movie where I'm sitting there watching it and I'm going, this is horrible, but I'm enjoying it. It's Oh, for sure. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. It's so bad, but it's also fucking- You just can't try to tell yourself that they they thought they were making a good movie. You just have to assume that they knew this movie is as shitty as you think it is, and then immediately you love it because you're not invested in it at all as I wasn't, but yeah, Ed, everybody in college, high school or college or early twenties, everybody Love had that buddy shit. that had the oh poster. I, I have a friend that I went to high school with who actually has a tattoo of the world is yours. Shut up. And also, <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's just hit that right now because his, that becomes his, he sees an ad on the Goodyear blimp. It's lit up much, much like ice cube told us about and it says and it says it's an ad for pan am and it says the world is yours which like grammatically does that even make sense shouldn't because then he adopts that slogan as his own and he gets he gets a neon on his drug dealer mansion that says the world is yours shouldn't it be the world is mine well, like the world it. the world is ours right. like well, he's not for good not year, for, it. no way i mean that for Pan Am, yes, the world is yours. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. But for him, he's still like offering it out to other people. Yeah, he's Yet not a he's fucking he's not a philanthropist. This guy's a fucking cocaine importer. The world is <laughs> yours. 
The well, world then is how about mind. how about you give us some of your fucking all that money you're putting through the counting machines? So what you're saying is that on the blimp it should have said the world is yours, but in his house it should have said the world is mine. Yeah, like that, right. That would have been uh, character development, Brian De Palma. You fucking hack. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot of hacky things going on. Uh, first, so. One thing I liked, they're in the refugee camp, right? And Al Pacino, do we have any, how old is Al Pacino? Like, how old are we to believe the character is in this movie? Um, should we do the guest thing? We did, we did it on Independence yeah. Day, didn't we? Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's hold on. We got a few of these to do, by the way. Okay. So this movie's supposed to take place in 1980, right? Uh, was it 80 on the dot? Early 80s. Yeah, because the well, the boat lift was the in the 80, and then he's in. It was you know, 80. In, yeah, 80, 81 comes out in 83. How old, Ed, I'll let you go first. How old do you think Al Pacino was when they shot this movie? I mean, I I think he was supposed to be like 20, I would say like 26 or something in the movie. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He he looked he looked like he was a 45. He he looks like he's my age. Yeah. Uh, you know. The way he didn't help. Yeah, they put him in a wig the whole time, which just doesn't help. He looks weathered. The man smokes a lot of cigarettes. Caleb, your thoughts. How how old did you think he looked in this movie? Did he look or how old was he supposed to be? Either. Both. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree with Ed. 26 sounds about the right time for you to be an ex-army guy that goes to jail. Yep. <laughs> uh I mean, there's no there's no way that he was any younger than 40. There's just no way. No like, way. Yeah, no. He, no. Okay. I, I'm going to get, I'm going to guess. So I look like shit, but I'm 35. <laughs> so I'm going to guess he was 30, <laughs> 39. You're pretty close. And remember his Hollywood sister, magic, baby. his sister, Gina mm-hmm. is 19. She looks movie. it though. <laughs> she, yeah, she does. But I'm saying how, how, how big of a gap between children do we think that Mrs. Montana had? So at, at the most he's t- supposed to be 26 or 27 mm-hmm. in this movie. If he's got a 19 year old sister, he was, he's born April 25th, 1940. So he was, about, yeah, he was 40 years old in 1980 or, you know, he was about, he was in his early forties when they shot this. Yeah. Which, and he definitely, he definitely looked at, there, the one thing I noticed, they're in the, or a couple things. First of all, Oliver Stone, hack. We got to go, we got to go back through this guy's catalog. And, you know, I was never a huge fan. Oh, you didn't fan. like Alexander? No, no. <laughs> I, was, I was never a huge fan. I But I've always thought Platoon was good. And now I got to go back and rewatch Platoon to see if Oliver Stone has ever written anything good. Because oh, he's written all kinds of good stuff. He just has also done a lot of really bad stuff too. Right. Well, because his his editing yeah. too, he you know, like it, a lot of his movies get fucked up with the editing on top of it. So even if he writes a good scene, it's disconcerting. Um I 
I liked parts of Wall Street, but if you critically analyze like, yeah. what happens, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't how the world works. They're, they're, I'm just speaking specifically. I mean, the story is ridiculous in this movie. It's, it's on its face. The characters are just flat, empty vessels. There's not really any depth to anybody, but I'm just talking about the dialogue. He, so they're in the, they're in the refugee camp where again, this is why you need men on a movie set because they're playing a basketball game. And as near as I can tell, it's one on 60. It's there's so (laughs) many guys on the court. You couldn't drive to the lane because there's, there's a literal mob in front of you. And they all seem to be defending Al Pacino who shoots a sad jumper that goes off the rim, but I'll let that go. Uh, Manolo, who's the real star of the movie, I think Manolo comes over and he's like, Hey man, he's like, I think I got something for us. I, I got a way for us to get green cards basically. And he goes through it. He's like, basically I know a guy with money and a Cuban expat that's here. He says, if we fucking kill this guy that's coming into the camp that tortured his family, that he'll give us green cards and we'll get jobs or whatever. We'll get out of here. Oh, and money. And Al Pacino in character, his response is, I kill communists for fun, (laughs) but for a green card, I carve them up real nice. We're We're supposed to, we're supposed to let a guy have a career in Hollywood. That writes like that? We're supposed to re- regard him as a as an auteur? I don't think so. And Pacino isn't far removed from just some spectacular acting performances, but this one, yes, he's he's way overacting. Like yes. I mean, he was very subtle in a lot of those seventies hits. Yes, like Sidney Lumet movies. Here? Yeah, yeah. How much? Because you're right, Ed. You're right on the money there. But how much do you attribute that to? Oliver, and how much do you attribute that to Brian De Palma? Just broadly, the asked. performance. You mean so? What's yeah. what's in De Palma's catalog before this? Oh my! Uh, the one that I watched for well, I watched uh, for studying. I watched his documentary De Palma that he goes through his. Yeah, I've seen catalog. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I also, but the only other one that I watched specifically for research was I watched <laughs> Untouchables. And yes. if you want to talk oh, about yeah. corny ass, yes. shitty oh gangster God. movies, it does not get any worse than this. Untouchables. They send one of ours to the hospital. <laughs> we send two of theirs to the morgue. Uh, oh, yeah. That's that's a, a what particularly a bad movie. De Niro performance. Okay, let's see what else this guy's done. Brian De Palma, because he's considered B- a legend, heat. too. Well, De Palma's oh, done a lot a of good movie. stuff, too. Oh yeah, Body Double. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie. Oh, he does the he does the Frankie Goes to Hollywood Relax video. I've never <laughs> changed my fucking tune on this. The Untouchables. A lot of lot of Brian or Brian Bruce Springsteen movies. Oh, he does Casualties of War with, oh, with uh, Michael J. Fox and Sean that was a Penn. good one. Yeah, yeah, Bond, a good movie. he did. Uh, he did Carlito's Way too, didn't he? That was a good yep. one. Bonfire, right. the vanities. Bonfire was one of the all-time bombs. That was like yes. a huge, massive book. Yes. Great, great book, and it yes. just, it just, it fell flat. Well, he definitely. Yes. I mean, he did carry. That's the only other one that I know. Really, I'm oh. not like a huge De Palma guy. For sure. Oh for my me. god, he did. He did the maybe 
uh, an underrated, but possibly one of Nicolas Cage's greatest performances, Snake Eyes. Oh, oh man. I did not know that. That's yeah. great. Yes, with with the Sinise? incomparable Carla Gugino. Who's, and Gary Gary Sinise parlaying yes, his yes. Lieutenant Dan fans yes, to play. That's right. That's right. To play the, the heavy, heavy amount. Lieutenant Mission Dan to Mars. Too. So he did some shit. He did a lot of garbage. A lot of good stuff, but a lot of garbage. Yes, I I agree. Yeah, no, he sucks. I mean, he's the, the stench of this movie is on him. But you got you look back, Pacino. While man, a lot of wigs. I'm just looking at pictures. Um, <laughs> he's got some stink. He is great, but he took a long long, long spell where he was just fucking phoning it in, where he was just so over right. the top in everything he did. But was this the first time where he went over the top, Al? Because he's Let's very see. subtle in some of those 70s movies. I mean, even in like, you know, Dog Day Afternoon, he's big, but yeah. he plays certain yeah. scenes. You know, You're beautifully. out of order. You're out yeah, of order. Yeah. This, this whole place cool. is out of order. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, he was he was good in the 70s. And then this thing was like, yeah. oh, my God. And he's doing like the worst impression of a, a Latin American man, like like. Just a, awful oh, my accent. God. So yes, man. he was really stoked yes. to do this movie, by the way. I there's, don't know. Yeah. Legend has it. He was the one that I mean, there, there's conflicting accounts depending on who you ask. But as the legend goes, he was the one that wanted. He watched Scarface and was like, "I want to do that, but different." And that's when he he actually initially went out, reached out to, or not him, but Marty Bergman reached yep. out to Oliver Stone to to write the script. So, as history, I think, has accepted by this point, uh, this whole thing was Pacino's kind of uh, baby. So maybe he was just really stoked to be doing this. I don't know. Maybe he was getting high on his own supply. He did he did Scarface, followed by something called Revolution that I'm not familiar with, then Sea of Love, which was very either of those, honestly. Oh, Sea of Love was a lot of a, fucking Helen, yeah, uh, Ellen, Ellen Barkin. Right? Ellen Barkin. He was railing Ellen Barkin the whole time. And it was that was that was a, a big touchstone for a junior high age Brian Beckner's to my adolescence was marked. There's, there's, there's pre sea of love and there's post sea of love. To me, it was Brian angel Becker. heart. Angel. Oh, also, that was oh, a that blueprint. Was fan, that was fantastic too. Uh, but right after that, he did Dick Tracy, which is amongst the, just the worst films right. ever made followed by the Godfather part three, which also sucked. There's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which is amazing. He's great in, Carlito's Way, which is kind of hot and cold. Heat, which was great. Yeah. Donnie Brasco, he's very good in Donnie Brasco. Yes. Mm -hmm. Excellent. But right after that is when he played the devil in The Devil's Advocate. Oh. <sighs> uh, the Insider, that's that Russell Crowe 60 Minutes one, right? That's That one of the Academy Awards. I was, yeah. I was sure. good. definitely so reading him. his like, IMDb page right now. Are yeah, you? I am. Okay, okay. Uh, um, you think I had this on the top of my head? <laughs> like, damn, he's, Brian, just, he's, he's just a super fan. <laughs> yeah. It's um, the then he's in Any Given Sunday, which Ed and I have differing opinions on. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, then Insomnia, which is a good movie. Then he goes a white ways without being in it. Geely, he's in Geely. Um, yeah, Ocean's 13. I don't know. I don't know. He's hot and cold. He's very good in The Irishman, I would say. Um, so he's kind of come back. Speaking of movies that, 
Speaking of movies that take like 30 sittings to get through the whole thing. Oh my fucking God. I don't know if now's the time to talk about The Irishman, but if you want a movie with six hours of old men, geriatrics, stealing meat to saxophone music, that's for you. Yeah, I mean, I seriously, it took me a week of like putting it on each day for a week to get through it. I'm still watching it. I like how I like how they um, they're like they use this new technology to to give them digital facelifts and stretch out their faces to look <laughs> young again. And you're like, yeah, I mean, they look like kind of weird old men, but they move like they're 95 years old. Like, yeah. like the beat up scene. Oh, my yeah, God. Yes. Robert De Niro's kicking the shit out of somebody outside of a fucking grocery store. And I'm like, this guy can't move. Like, get, just get like get a young guy to do the actual stunts and paste Robert De Niro's young face on him or something. That's exactly. That really looked like when you're like nine and you're pretending to do pro wrestling with your friends. (laughs) That's what that looked like. It was so bad. Yes. Um, So we talked about this before and I just have a note here. Do these guys seem remotely Cuban? And I know that I know that there's a thing now. I saw a couple weeks ago that Sarah Silverman would like, she got ratioed for because she was talking about Jew face people who aren't Jews playing Jewish characters, which I think is fine. I don't I'm not saying you had to fucking hire Cuban actors to play these Cuban characters, but they're not, not one of them. Even Stephen Bauer, who apparently is Cuban. He's, Cuban. I he's like, I think he the is. only one, isn't he? Yes, he's yeah. the only one. The The rest of them were so bad, the accents. And it was either Al Pacino, who's just, who's got the accent turned up to 11 the whole time, or Robert Loja, who you're like, wait, he's talking Cuban now, and now he's talking like he's from New York, and now it's like... He, all of the place. Yeah. <laughs> F. Murray Abraham, like all of them, it's just like... Sarah Silverman's thing is a little different, because as a Jew, what I would say yeah. is... How are you going to have a hard time finding Jews to play actors in Hollywood? That's just ridiculous. No, absolutely. Like, (laughs) but there probably were some Cuban people that they could have like mix it. I get that Al Pacino is a movie star and I guess they think they did. I guess they did hire a Cuban American and Stephen Bauer, but like the rest of them are just like, it's, it's not. Yeah. I don't really have a problem necessarily with casting, you know, somebody of a different ethnicity or no. background to, yes. I don't really have a problem with that. Cause I mean, it's, it's fucking acting. Right. Yes. But what I would say is like, you know, you just kind of, I think legitimately do open up yourself up to um, more criticism. Like if you, so if you fuck the movie up or yes. if you don't portray those people, that group of people correctly, totally. Then yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then you open yourself up to criticism. I did see somewhere in the, in the trivia, I think that, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, it's like also Cuban. Yes. I think she had done, <laughs> had she done, I think she must've done Greece too at this point. And, That's, but yeah, she hadn't really been in anything. And then they lit, they gave a list of, well, I can't find it now, but they give a list of who they might have hired. And it was like all the big hitters of the day. And it was like Glenn close Sigourney Weaver, like every, like all the fuck. Oh, it's right here. Glenn, Glenn Close was the original choice for the role, while others were also considered, including Gina Davis, Carrie Fisher, Kelly McGillis, Rosanna Arquette, Melanie Griffith, Kim Basinger, Sharon Stone, and Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Any one of which would have been a better choice. 
Yeah. Except she for did, Carrie Fisher would would be maybe just too associated with a different role. Yeah. The, the, the rest of them, you didn't know. Bad girl thing, though. Yeah. But you didn't you didn't know who Gina Davis or uh, yes. Sharon Stone at that point. That you know, sure. you wouldn't have yes. had. But yeah, it was just it was just too too big a role. You know, she's in a lot of the movie. The character is such a fucking wet blanket. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, a lot of, I, I've been obviously doing my homework and reading about this. There's a lot of um, like video essays and, and stuff that I've been reading about, like how people really misunderstand her character and like, uh, okay. or at least how uh, Al Pacino does or, or Tony Montana in that, like, even in the scene where he's like, Hey, I'm going to murder your husband and then like make you have my kids or whatever. And like, he thinks that he's just the shit, but like she gets up and then like puts on more clothes to like, you know, yeah. symbolize, I don't really, really want anything to do with you, but I'm just like kind of helpless, hapless. Well, it is, it is kind of a weird, and this is, I'm going to blame this on Oliver Stone. He's <laughs> she, she, she is, for all intents and purposes, repulsed by him. She's, yeah. she can't stand him. She tells him as much. She's like, I'm not getting into your shitty fucking car. He takes her to a Porsche dealership to try to impress her. Um, by the way, look, she did get in the car. How'd she get to the Porsche dealership? She's, you know, she, he tries to make out with her. She's disgusted by him. And then one day, and we should talk about the security at Robert Loge. What's Robert Loge's character's name? Frankie? Frank. Frank. Frank at Frank's, uh, you know, Frank's a high level fucking drug dealer in Miami. You might want to like, I don't know, get like a couple Dobermans or maybe like a gate that locks or something, but he's, he's not home one day. And then Tony shows up and he's, he's like, cruising, I'm in your base. Yeah. He, yeah. He cruises, he cruises in the backyard where she's, you know, all she does is, is sun herself and do cocaine and she's sitting out there reading a magazine. She's reading Us Weekly. And he cruises up and he's like, I want to tell you something. He's <laughs> like, I want you to have my children. And it's like, they haven't, they haven't flirted. They haven't held hands. They haven't fucking smiled at each other. <laughs> she, she shows no interest to that point. No, no, she's disgusted by him the entire time. And then he goes, and then his come on to her is, hey, I would like um, to breed you. I would like, I would like you to incubate my uh, lineage. And she's like, hell yeah. Yeah. She's like, all of a sudden she's thinking about it. So that's just, uh, uh, you guys, you guys are a little older than I am. So that, no, no. Uh, that's just, just how the eighties were maybe. Yeah. Like, no. You know, Definitely not. Not <laughs> as far as I remember. <laughs> like, uh, what's the, in that's the, how it worked right for me. The chainsaw scene yes. where, uh, like, what's his name? Stephen Bauer. Uh, what? Oh, anyway, yeah. It, yeah. Manolo. At, Manolo, excuse me. Uh, he's out there just like whistling and like doing like grabby fingers at women. And it works yes. a, a little, it works a little enough to me for me to be like, that's interesting. Well, he, He's he's a one in a thousand guy. We've all well, known this guy. He's hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he he is gorgeous, he is, but he, he's beautiful. He he does a thing that that everyone's got has a guy in their group that does this. I mean, not that 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 well, was of course that was not. rapey. 
Well, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying everyone knows somebody that does that does um, a cunnilingus. Come on, what I'm saying is everyone knows a guy that hits on literally every woman he sees, and yeah. eventually what? it works. It works. <laughs> like it's what? just it's a numbers game. It is like so, some poor poor woman is having a bad day and and she just kind of gets yes. caught up and ensnared in this guy's trap. Yeah, yes. 100%. eventually what? it works. And it what, did. What it, I'd say about yeah. him, though, yeah. is what we established. He he is the one Cuban member of the cast, and he plays the worst uh, Latin stereotype. Yes, he <laughs> plays. He yeah. plays the uh, the rapey, horny Ricky Ricardo kind yes. of just over the top ridiculous. He, I mean, there were a lot of over the top performances. F. Murray Abraham as the Coke. Uh, the Coke dealer, yeah, all, all these different guys, but it was Stephen Bauer who really did the biggest disservice to Cubans. Everywhere. He did. He did. And you know what? I did that thing that I always do, Ed, where I'm like, man, this poor guy, he fucking never worked again. And you never saw him in anything again. Oh, he was in traffic. That's what I thought. That was a great movie. That's what I thought. Yeah. He was fucking good. Guys, the guys had at least three jobs every year since. Yeah. He's been, he's on Breaking Bad. He's on like every procedural show. He's he's on Better Call Saul. He's done everything. Let's let's take it back. Let's see. Um, I actually have a clip here of Manolo, and I mean just just some just brilliant dialogue by the great Oliver Stone here, where these guys are discussing their come up in in Miami. This is paradise, I'm telling you. This town like a great big pussy just waiting to get fucked. <laughs> it's, uh, just in case you didn't hear that, he said, "Yeah, <laughs> this town is like a great big pussy waiting to get fucked." That is, I mean, just brilliant dialogue. I'm telling you, I, I tried to come in ten years ago. I'd have been a millionaire by this time. By this time, I'd have my own boat, my own car, mm. my own golf course. You know what I want? Thought of this the other day. A line of blue jeans, right? With my name written on the back of chick's asses. <laughs> How about? Hmm? That sounds completely crazy to me. <laughs> look at that. Look, 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 look. Look, you're missing all the sight. That's what you're doing. He's can't, we're, he can't we're stop looking the at the broads. Oh, yeah. Sabrosura. You want to have some ice cream with my friend of me? Get lost. Please. Yeah, loser. Yeah. Look at that. Ice cream? All right. You said ice cream? Girl like ice cream. Oh, come on, man. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You can do it that way. I'm telling you. You know how you pick up chicks in this country? This is how you do it. Take notes. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Yeah. What you just did. That's it. That's what you do. That's what you do. That is disgusting. What? So what we're seeing here is the difference between a man who's 5'2 and a man who's six foot tall. That's true. It's true. That's a good point. I know. He looks like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar next to Pacino. <laughs> that, is, that is kind of a problem. Uh, yeah, then you guys get the picture. Then he go. Then he puts him up to going up and trying his his tongue move to some chick at the pool who slaps him in the face. But the one thing about Tony Montana, who's who's a maniac, and we have you know we have all these uh, pro- there's so many problematic aspects to him. But the fact that he wouldn't want his daughter, his sister, little sister, to be with Stephen Bauer, it makes a lot of he's sense. Taller than him. Oh yeah. Well. <laughs> I mean, there is there is something going on there. Like, I mean, we don't know that he doesn't 
want them to be together because despite the fact that they know he's a psychopath and they, they know he might have an issue with it. They don't like kind of, you ever like have to break some bad news to somebody. And hey, you, you, I'm banging your sister. Sorry, right. but you give you give them a little bit at a time. So it's not such a big surprise. You start, you know, few weeks out where you just say, Hey, what would you think about, you know, maybe Gina's dated somebody you trusted somebody that you knew would treat her well. Like, how would you feel about that? And you kind of warm him up to the idea. Manolo who clearly deserved better than the fate he ended up with. He didn't play it right. And neither did, neither did Gina, you know, she just, she just walked out there half naked on that veranda, that landing. Well, both of them should have known better predicated on uh, uh, Tony's previous reactions to them. Right. You know, they, they should have known. Yes. I don't know. I guess what I would say is um, one interesting thing about this movie is I'm sure you guys both know, um, but if the listener, if you don't, it's, you know, this is a remake off of a 1932 gangster movie. That's right. Um, About Capone, right? Uh, kind of. So the the original script was based off of a book that was loosely based on Capone. So kind of. You're seeing like four degrees of separation between Al Capone and, and Tony Montana. But yeah, uh, the whole sister thing in the 32 film, which is fantastic, a great gangster movie if that's your, your shtick, and actually pretty funny in a weird way. Uh, I recommend it. Go watch it. But um, – the sister thing was really supposed to be more of a, uh, you know, he, he has the almost incestual angle to it, but it's more like, I don't want her involved in this world because the whole sister going after his best friend thing yeah. happens, but yeah. it's not, you know, in, in Scarface, they made it really like rapey and incestual, like in a weird, yes. weird way that didn't need to happen. So what you're saying that. is it's, it's bad filmmaking. Like Brian De Palma didn't tell that story well enough where it's, he's supposed to be protecting her rather than acting like a jealous lover, because let's not to, not to spoil it for everybody. She comes out at the end, shooting a gun at him saying, do you want to fuck me? I know you want to fuck me. Yeah. Which you're saying is at not actually his motivation in the source material. Maybe it is. I think that, so it's, it's, so let me say this in the 32 version. No, in the, in the 1980 version. Yeah, maybe. I think that they were trying to explore that. They just did a poor job. You can blame uh, Brian De Palma. You could blame Oliver Stone. I don't know. So if you, if you don't know, there was a lot of controversy between those two men. Um, they're, they've yeah. since, since buried the hatchet, but for the listener at home, if you don't know the history of this movie, Oliver Stone wrote it and he kind of like, uh, lurked on set and was trying to like tell the actors how to like act scenes. And Brian De Palma and Marty Bergman were like rewriting things and recutting things that Oliver Stone didn't like. And it turned into this huge argument that, uh, they eventually had to escort Oliver Stone off of the the set was wow. security. Wow. So, now, you know, at that point, two, two different Stone, movies being made. <clears throat> had Stone directed anything at that point? Uh, I don't think so. He, he, no, he had. He had. He oh. was younger. Let's let's look at his his page because it's a few. It's a few years before Platoon, and then uh, he did. Wall Street he did was Salvador, but that Salvador. was that would have been after this, right? Salvador's probably like eighty five. Let's look. I'm pulling it up now. Uh, yeah, he, pull it up. Done, 
He had done a couple things. I don't think, I mean, he certainly was, he was still right at the time. He wasn't direct. Right. Oh, one yet. thing he had done, cocaine. I oh, yeah. That's pretty. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. He had done Midnight Express. He'd done all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm forgetting. Midnight Express was probably what put him on the map. But he he didn't direct that. He wrote it. Uh, Midnight Express. Let's see. I don't think he directed right, I'm it. On, I'm on um, until Rock. until Salvador. Yeah, you're right. He did. He just wrote it. He had <laughs> he had directed um, a movie called Seizure, which I've never seen. That has a three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So you're right. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, a couple shorts. Yeah. And then something called The Hand, and then Salvador Platoon, Wall Street. He had a little run there. Salvador Platoon, Wall Street, Talk Radio, Born on the Fourth of July, The Doors, JFK. Right. So he eventually yeah. went to do good stuff. But at the, the point is, like at the time, he's yeah. on the set trying to tell the actors how to do stuff. Brian yeah. Palmer's like, "Get this fucking guy off the set," which you know. And I'm not you know taking sides here at all. I mean, Oliver Stone yeah. didn't prove himself till years later, but. Um, what you have here essentially is two very different interpretations of the movie. Right. And yeah, right. Oh, for um, sure. Like famously, um, Oliver Stone was pro Castro and, um, yes. you know, he's, he's openly socialist or whatever. So when people, well, I mean, maybe if you're kind of, if you have left politics, you may have seen a lot of people criticize this as like, being kind of an anti-communist movie, that's right. not necessarily the case. I think that this movie is really misunderstood for a, that reason and a lot of others. Yes. Um, but that's primarily for this reason and for many others, because the peop, all the people involved, um, Pacino had an idea uh, of what this film was supposed to be. Bergman oh, did. Oh, he had an idea. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All, this is just a bunch, this is too many, a classic case of uh, too, too many, many cooks in the kitchen. This yeah. dude, Dude's not rocking. These guys no. are not on the same page at all. No, I agree with that. Um, it was nice. You, there are a lot of familiar faces in this movie. Of course, F. Murray Abraham there as is there as Omar, and he gets oh, yeah, he gets yeah, oh yeah. I know, I know where you're going with this, and he gets you know, he gets done pretty heavy right? when he gets he gets thrown out of a helicopter. Which yeah, would get, have done the job, I would say, except that he had they had a noose tied around his neck. So right, it was just kind of drop like, him. Yeah, just drop him, or you know, either way, or just hang well, him. They wanted from to kill the helicopter pilot too. They just failed. Right, exactly. Um, but but old friend, um, Hector Salamanca. Yeah, You're, yep. they're down in the they're down in Bolivia. Where is it? Bolivia when they see him? Yeah, they're in Bolivia. Yeah, Hector like, Salamanca shows up as one of um as one of uh, Sosa's henchmen. Enforcers, yeah. And That's a guy who really was quick, never me, a young we, man. Yeah, Hector Salamanca is was just as old in 1980 as he is right now <laughs> on Better Call Saul. He did not age. Yeah, he, 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 he was 70 when he was 40. Do you guys think Omar was an informant or not? Uh, no, uh, it's a. I've. I mean. I did when I watched it. Now thinking back, maybe it was you know they just wanted to. Um, have fewer degrees of separation. Yeah. I, I, I that's what I got out of it. Yeah. So he was trying My to consolidate. It, yeah. That's My a good thought point. is like, you know, uh, Tony obviously admires Sosa. It's kind of like who he wants to mirror himself after. Yeah. I thought that maybe if you want to give this movie enough credit to be this deep, 
Um, maybe you don't. But it, it, at the end, when they killed Tony, they wrote Savito on the wall in his blood, which means rat informant. Right. Obviously, Tony was not an informant, and it makes you think, well, okay, was Omar? Is Sosa just as paranoid as Tony? Did he follow right. in the footsteps? This is interesting. Interesting kind of thing. That, I don't know. I don't think that he was. So I, I, I look to see if Sosa, another beautiful man. Yeah, just gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous man. Um, I look to see what other stuff he'd done. Unfortunately, he, he quickly succumbed to the bug not long after ah, this movie. So wow. RIP Paul Shinar, another yeah, non very, very handsome Hispanic playing a Hispanic. Paul yeah, um, Paul Shinar. <laughs> so it I mean this movie has the challenge of okay, so they didn't want to do uh the Italian mob and so they wanted to take it to uh Cubans and, yep. and Colombians in the drug trade. But the problem was it, there were so many scenes between Spanish speakers and they're all speaking English to each other. Yes. And one of the things they did was like they all spoke with accents except for um, Robert Loggia, who opted out after like his fourth line. He, w- he would, but he would slip it. in. He kind of when they have yeah. the nightclub uh, encounter and, and later when he's begging for his life, he's right. kind it, of doing the accent. He he's 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 slipping in and out, but yeah. I found it funny that they would sometimes use Spanish phrases in the middle of an English yes. sentence, like like "mi hijo," you're taking it too far. Yes, well, no, we, totally. Yeah. What is it? What what are you saying? And then and then um, when they're when they go to do the hit at the UN, Hector Salamanca is speaking almost exclusively in Spanish when they're in the car, and and. Uh, Al Pacino has to respond to him also in Spanish. And you could tell they really like practice that they, they use like an economy of language, not have him say too many words. And he's still, his Spanish was not great in, in those scenes. And, and by the way, I looked up F Murray Abraham. Cause I was thinking he's kind of one of those famous older looking dudes. Like, was he ever a young man actor? Never. Ever? Never. anything and i didn't see it but i did see he was the grapes and fruit of the looms commercials in the 70s shut the fuck <laughs> up we all have to start somewhere wow gotta Even start f. Murray. somewhere f f murray abraham academy award winner f murray oh, yeah. abraham he's a, he's a great actor he's great he and he's good in this movie um okay what else so sh- oh we, yeah talk go bubble on. bath bubble baths oh amazing I mean, yeah. Did, it's just it's pretty amazing for a grown man to be just taking lots of bubble baths. Well, and and that tub, I'm thinking to myself, it must take half the day. He must need like a fire hose brought in to fill up the tub cuz the tub is the size of like a medium-sized pool. Why does he have carpet all around that goddamn bathtub? It yeah. was like driving me crazy. I know. Just disgusting. And I, yes. <laughs> it's like Graceland. A lot of all the wall carpeting. He basically like decorates in a, like a child's idea of what a rich person's mansion would look like. I mean, he has a tiger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He, yeah. he has lots of gold things. Like it's pretty bitching. Lots of red. This, this is like the beginning of Rocky Two, where like a yeah. uneducated guy doesn't know what to do with all his newfound riches. Well, yeah. that's interesting that you guys men- mentioned that in the in the scene that he's. Uh, 
with Sosa the first time, um, and there with Sosa, him and Omar, um, yep. n- neither of them are eating the garnish, but <laughs> oh yeah, he he's eating his garment. Like it shows that he's just a classless piece of shit. Like, yeah, absolutely. it was no. They brought out like the like the finger water that you're supposed to like clean your hands between yep, courses. He drinks it, and he's eating the lemon. Mm-hmm. Water. I forgot yeah. about that. So it kind of shows, and then like, yeah, of course, a guy like that's absolutely going to buy a tiger. Like, so yeah. The one thing that I'll always remember about Scarface is I had a kind of a, a dude that I came up with that uh, was like my first like stoner buddy or whatever. We would all, he because you'd have to go to his, this is you know people now don't understand what what it was like before weed was legal. Yeah, like you had you had a friend that essentially assumed all the risk of getting caught buying drugs. And yep. the, what he got in return for that is you had to go to his house and hang out with him to smoke weed. Yeah. And uh, he would always put on Scarface. And I swear to God, he would put on the tiger scene and he would either pause it or talk over and rewind the tiger scene and talk about how someday he hoped that he would also own a tiger. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> this is this kind of sounds similar to the Alfred Molina scene in Boogie Nights. Like he had to go, and weird things were happening. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Yep. Good point. Um, yeah. These also at that point has Manolo been taking classes at the local junior college with Stringer Bell because where you have Tony's. Tony's, you know, he's starting to get paranoid. They're letting us know that this, you know, he's caught up in the game, which is what Oliver Stone is the, which is the point that Oliver Stone is trying to make with the script, right? Where he's, he's too caught up in being a big shot, you know, making a lot of money. And now, so now he's got to have security cameras and he's got this whole security set up. And Manolo's like, no. Hey man, he's like this is this is already cost costing us twelve percent of our adjusted gross, and I was like, oh, this guy, wow, he's really, he's he's gone to school, he's taking some accounting classes to yeah. help out Tony here, night school business courses. Yes, he's he's really paying attention, and I would have said like maybe invest a little bit more because when it t- came time to need that security system, I gotta say, wasn't uh, too effective. His setup did not really look like twelve percent of his gross. No, he did. You know, it like, was just a, it was just a few cameras. There's a couple cameras, and then what? Like a couple of guys who were completely and totally useless during the final fight. Yeah, just, I, I mean, they came up right. They did stranglings, and these guys didn't even hear them coming. They had a whole army of Bolivians descend upon the Montana compound, and well, every single one of his guys had their back turned. Yeah. To be fair, when you're defending a house, the best way to do that is to stare at the house. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. That's good. Speaking of security, so Frank, he commissions a hit on Tony. And of course, the best way to commit a drug murder is to have two low rent cokeheads show up at a nightclub with Uzis. Yeah, I love that. But they put and napkins have them, have over them, them casing the joint for like five minutes first. Yeah, they're there. So and, then, and then Richard Belzer, speaking of how fucking old is this guy, Richard Belzer's there. He's doing his like Borscht Belt act on stage. He looks about 61 years old in 1980. <laughs> but then he goes, he goes, 
Hey, and for our next next act, all the way from Venezuela, it's Octavio. And then the lights go down, and, and the and the low rent henchmen are like have to put their, their. I mean, they have Uzis, but they're just covered up with napkins. Yeah, they're so they right. or they're like, oh, we can't. It's going to be too dark to do the murder. But I want to talk about this guy Octavio. Like, what was this guy's act? He came out. He had like a paper mache mask on. He was like a clown. He was yeah. kind of like a clown, but he was like dancing, but he was like dancing, not funny. And everybody in the audience was just absolutely riveted. <laughs> well, I think this what this is, is another classic callback to the Hellenistic era where uh, <laughs> rich, rich houses would have a fool. And the fool wasn't necessarily a jester that just juggled. The fool would tell stories, right? And do tricks and enlighten the audience. And I think that um, in classic Oliver Stone fashion, he is going high art, and this is supposed to be a fool, right? But, oh, good point. I well, think, he, I believe yeah. they were usually eunuchs. The, the <laughs> oh, interesting. Good to know. Yeah. Well, the fool definitely ended up the fool because basically these these two. Hitmen, they they blasted machine gun rounds throughout the bar, and the only one I saw that got killed was Octavio, and yeah, of course 100%. the two bad guys. One one thing also I liked is that when Tony has the meeting with the crooked cop, you you always know the guy that's the cop in the club because despite the fact that he's there asking for a bribe for a, a monthly stipend to be an enforcer for Tony and keep the, and keep the uh, cops off his back. He orders a glass of milk. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't drink on the do. job. You can't drink when you're asking for $50,000 a month in bribes and two tickets to London to take the wife for your anniversary. You can't get a gin and tonic. No, you that got, would be too much. Working. That, that would be unethical. Yes. <laughs> You gotta have a large, a, just a big ass full me, glass of milk. I love give, me the, give me that mood juice. Milk. Yeah, dude. Moo, moo. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be milk. Gotta be. Can't be a water, can't be a Coke. It's gotta be milk. Gotta be milk. So I mean, Tony kind of sets himself up there. He's not real subtle about going after Elvira Hancock, which by the way is like the pussy galore of right. drug dealer girlfriends' names. He's he's right up in there. He's got his fucking arm around her at the bar and Frank shows up and he's like, why don't you get, why don't you get your own girl? And he's like, that's what I'm doing, man. That's what I'm right here. So they kind of go. They have kind of have a tete a tete. And then Tony has the then Tony sees his girl or his sister, Gina, dancing oh, with yeah. Fernando. And they, you know, they, there's a big he's scene there. A nice guy. For now, yes. he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He brought, he took her in the bathroom to do some blow. That's pretty nice of him. You, it, it is nice to give out your cocaine like that. It's hard exactly. to get. Exactly. Yeah. He shares. So then Manolo, Manolo drives her home and leaves Tony alone. Again, the security aspect is lacking here. But Tony, he's real sad. You could tell he's real sad because he's slouched way down in his seat. He looked drunk. Yeah, he was drunk. Yeah, he was drinking. And, that and was me he, last night watching this fucking movie for the exactly, first time. Yeah, you're feeling the same, yeah. but he dodges. He dodges the murder. That it's obviously it's obvious that because of their falling out earlier in the evening, Frank has sent these guys to kill him. He's he's 
become a rival. He, they used to work together, but no more. So then Frank and the dirty cop and Frank's like bodyguard guy head back to his place. And Tony and Manolo, they hatch a plan. Tony and Manolo and Angel are like, okay, let's go over there. For the second time in this movie, first time, at least it's outside, Tony walks directly onto into a drug dealer's backyard and up to his pool to his girlfriend. This time, despite the fact that they had just commissioned a fucking hit on a rival drug dealer, there's nobody watching the door. There's nobody. There's no armed surveillance. There's no cameras. Tony well, no, actually, and- there is. It's because Ernie, the the guy with him, his security, Ernie, the security guy, yeah, uh, was there. And then not only did he fail at his job, Tony was like, "Hey, Ernie, you want a job <laughs> for the for the worst security team ever assembled?" Er- Ernie, the guy that's <laughs> supposed to be watching the place, yeah. is is literally the furthest one from the door. When they all walk in armed, <laughs> get the drop on everybody, and everybody knows they're about to be murdered. I, yeah. I mean, just. How has this guy made it this long in the cocaine game in Miami if this is the kind of operation he's running? Because Frank came up at a time where uh, cocaine dealers were simply nice. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Just like Fernando, who was giving out his cocaine. Frank also just, he was just a nice guy. Just a good dude. They They, they had a code back then. Yeah. (laughs) Code. Yeah. Tony destroyed the code. Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that um, that was crazy. Also, I did like and a little foreshadowing when I mean Gina quickly gets over her embarrassment at, at the scene that's been made when she's in the in the men's room with Fernando, and then Manolo's driving her home, and she's like, "How come you never asked me out, Manolo?" And she goes, yeah. she goes like this: "I see the way you look at me." He fucking looks at every, literally every woman that way. Like it's, how is that any, how is it any different the way he You're looks at you? You're both horny all the time. It was inevitable. It was yes. fate they ended up hooking up. He he reaches under the skirt of literally every woman he sees. Yes. Oh my God. He's basically a rapist. He's not just looking. He's, he's Dude, grabbing. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about that. And then like, yeah, the, oh my God. I mean, oh. it was a different time. It's the 80s, dude. Yeah, All you needed 80s. to be successful is you just hop into a 17-foot-long car and drive around and find yes. a life. Uh, so eventually, so now Frank's been murdered, and Elvira, like, look, whether or not she fell in love with Tony, she needed a meal ticket. Like, she had a lifestyle. Frank was providing a lifestyle to her where she could hang out by the pool, get her nails done, shop, complain about going to the Babylon club again. Well, it fucking looks like they do a pretty good spread at the Babylon club. Look good to me. You know, this wasn't fucking Burger King. This wasn't, you know, working for a living. It seems like Frank took pretty good care of her, but now Frank's out of the picture and Elvira and, and Tony are immediately together. I, I never really got that. There was a love connection there because all they did was fight and talk shit on each other. Yeah, Do you I mean, think they could have benefited from some couples counseling? She yeah. hated him in less than five minutes after he he took her away from the, the Frank universe. Like there were scenes showing how much she hated him less than five minutes later. 
Were there any scenes showing that she liked him? No, probably. Well, when when he woke her up to say, "I hey, I just murked your uh, your boyfriend." Uh, let's go. She, yeah, let's go. She did. She did willingly go. She's like, "All right, cool. I got a new boyfriend." Yeah, I mean, I guess again, I mean, seems could have been interpreted as a yeah, could have been yeah. could have been interpreted as more of a hostage situation or kidnapping. Yeah, no, no, no. She's feminist icon Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, killing men. <laughs> yes. Um. Now, but then immediately Tony's really spiraling. They have they have that fight at the they have that fight at the Babylon Club, or, you know, wherever they're having dinner. I think it was the Babylon Club, and he's got a you know he's he doesn't like keep it private. You know, he's yelling at all the other patrons. Is this the that to the bad guy? Scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is he, my favorite scene. It's one of the only ones that I'll say is an unironically good scene. I think well, he does, and he do, he does like a long monologue there. Where you know he really it's Al Pacino. You know he's is really this, there at this point. It's like just, the only like if you if you've gotten to this point in the movie and you're still watching, that means you've gotten over the fact that the accent is terrible and you can yeah. enjoy it for what it right. is. That was you're actually a in. really good scene. Yeah, yeah. you're I mean, in. I mean, this I was when, in minute one. <laughs> is this when he says, <laughs> "Why don't you take a job with black kids or lepers?" Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Oh no. I think that was it. Wasn't that when he was in the job. bathtub? Yeah. That, no, was like, that was the bathtub scene. I oh yeah. Yeah. He, like, he, he should be know. a nurse. <laughs> Why don't you take a job with black kids or lepers? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that was actually kind of, there were some funny moments, especially between Manolo that, and Tony. Yeah, that was when he had he he was drinking the loudmouth soup at the restaurant, and he was just blowing up. Yeah, yeah. He lost his shit. He's yelling at everybody. He, Manolo's got to take Elvira home. He's spiraling. That's then. Oh, it's after that that he gets popped. Manolo's like, "Hey, I worked out this thing with this other guy." I'm where he, you know, they're having a problem laund- laundering their money. This is yeah. before. This is before. Again, uh, his security is the one that got him set up with this guy who eventually nails him. By the right. way, right? This was before the Reagan administration made it easy to go down and launder your money with uh, Manuel Noriega. This that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't available to them yet because the CIA wasn't trading the cocaine for guns for the Contras. So they um, they're having a problem laundering money, and you know Manolo, he's a worker. He's loyal. And he's, he's like, look, very bad at his job, but he does love Tony. Right. He goes, he goes, look, I met this guy, Seidelman. You know, he's, he's a money lender. Like it's, I, I'm just saying you could, you could have had that character not have a Jewish name. That's all I'm saying. He, he goes, I, I, he's going to help us launder this money. He's like, I'm going to go meet with him. And Tony's like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go meet with, you know, he's, he, he sort of cucks. Manolo and Manolo even says, you know what, man, you're an asshole. And he leaves. He bounces. Oh, because he has a date to do probably to go roofie some chicks he met at the pool. So but then Tony goes and he gets he gets popped. Turns out Seidelman's a cop. They're laundering money and he's looking at some time. He's going to do like five years. And that's when Sosa comes through with a with an offer. He goes down to Bolivia he meets with Hector Salamanca and everybody, and they're like, "Hey, kill this guy, do this murder." And again, this is this is interesting, and maybe you guys can help me understand this. He's the he's the biggest drug dealer in Miami at this point. Yeah, 
he's going to accompany. Yeah, that was so stupid. So the fun. dudes that are doing the fucking hitman murder in New York, where he can easily be implicated rather than send somebody that he's not directly connected to to do the job for him. Was that crazy to you guys? Yeah, and Salamaka uh, is like 75. He can do the job on his own. He doesn't yes, need Tony there. That's true. Good point. 100%. He, he would have been fine. The only reason that they had him there was to showcase. So Tony has a line that's important earlier in the movie where he says, I got two things, my word and my balls. And this, because obviously, you know, he, as the movie goes on, you find out he doesn't tell the truth a lot. But ultimately, what this scene shows is he doesn't have balls either because he ends up getting killed specifically because he couldn't go through with killing this person because he has wife and kids in the car. I think well, that's why they had him there. That's the only explanation yeah. I can come up with. Well, it is kind of interesting. Yes, I think you're right. It is kind of interesting because he's like, even when I'm lying, I give you my word or something like that. But it is kind of interesting that they they kind of set him up. They they don't know what they want to do with this guy. They kind of want him to be an anti-hero, right? They, where they're like, here's yes. this guy, here's this, here's this rags to riches story, this immigrant. He's he makes all the right decisions. He's not a pussy. But then he's got a code when they're like, hey, you got to kill this guy. And then the guy's wife and kids get in the car. And I mean, they're really setting it. They're playing patty cake in the backseat. I know it was the 80s and seatbelts weren't a big deal. And and maybe a mid-60s Citroen didn't, you know, didn't have three-point harnesses in the back seat, but they're playing <laughs> patty cake and they're really, they're really um, pandering to you about how horrible it is that they're going to kill these kids. And Tony's, Tony's doing blow. He's got a bindle in the car. He's sniffing. He's driving for some reason. Again, this is a henchman's job. This is not and a boss's job. Budweiser cans all over the dash. You're going to, you're a cop magnet. What the you're, fuck are you yes, doing? Yes. You're going to get pulled over. You're drinking in the car. Just, it's just like, Tony Soprano doesn't go out. He sends Christopher to go do this kind of stuff. And he this, sends I mean, Polly. Yeah, this is this is 1983 New York. You could you could pay anybody anything to murder on the streets. It was it was mayhem back right. then. Yeah, make it look like a robbery. That's back. That's back when people were getting mugged and stabbed all the time. That's a really good point, Ed. You could you, like you blow up the car immediately. They're going to know it was so. Who do I blame here? Oliver Stone. This is bad writing. <laughs> they're going to know that that it's it's the drug dealers back in Bolivia who he's named on 60 Minutes already. Like it's a bad plan. Tony gets has a little bit of heart. And we think, ah, this guy's actually a good guy. He he shoots Hector Salamanca in the head. I, we're not going to talk about how the fact that everyone else in the car would have no eardrums for the next five Damn years of their shit. lives. Shit. But hey, that's how they do it in movies. But Sosa's not happy. And Tony is spiraling. And just when you think Tony might be the hero of this movie, he goes over to Manolo's house and murders him. Manolo deserve better. Do you guys not agree? Hey fam, there's still a lot more of this episode to hear, but it's only available to our bonus content subscribers. Click the link in the show notes or go to theballerlifestyle.com and subscribe so you never miss a minute of the show. some movies and shows others. Top podcast, man, no one is above us. Five star, even the haters will love us. And we're not trying to talk politics a lot.
We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot. Shit so hot. Man, you know the shit's on top. Top podcast, man. It really hit the spot. Listen up, you